You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Well, hey, Grace Family Church, man, so excited to be here. Come on, let's give it up for all of our campuses, all of our online people watching there. Hey, let's give it up especially for our Clearwater campus because they are having the longest tent revival in Tampa Bay history. Come on, let's give it up for them. They are out there. But I will say this, let me just say this to our everyone at our Clearwater campus, you are laying a foundation for what God is gonna do in that community. And even though you're out and you're enduring the heat, the kids are inside, but you're enduring the heat, what God is gonna do there, we believe this is laying a foundation for something more. So thanks for enduring the heat as we head towards summer. Come on one more time, all of our Clearwater people. Yeah. Hey, my name is Mike, and I am the campus pastor of our South Tampa campus, and so I'm excited to jump into the second week of our David series, and honestly, after last week with Pastor Scott, I thought to myself, as he was talking about David, man, I I would like to think that I'm like David. In fact, I think a lot of guys would like to think we're like David, because you hear the story of David and Goliath, and you know, we all hope that we would be the guy that would go out there, (laughs) but as he told the story, I actually thought... I actually don't think I am like David. Now, it's not just because I'm wearing a pink shirt today, but the reason why I don't think that is, is that when I heard the story about David fighting Goliath, but also David, in order to save some of his sheep, he killed a bear and he killed a lion. And I hear that story and I'm like, man, because I've seen a bear in person, I've seen a lion in person, I'm not sure that's me. Like, they're going after my sheep. The reason why I know that is, because when I first got married, we had a cat. We had a cat, her name was CJ. And one night, uh, we hear this cat making noises outside. We look around, we realize it's our cat. Kind of making that, you know, like fighting cat noise. Those of you who have cats, who are the cat people in the room? All right, just, that's, we're profiling you. That's why I had you raise your hand. But, um, but, but she's making all this noise. So I go outside and I look for her and I realize she's under the neighbor's car and I walk around the car and I look and there is one of the biggest raccoons I've ever seen in my life sitting there trying to get our cat. And I hesitated. Like, this is a raccoon. You would think I would go and protect the cat. <laughs> well, number one, it's a cat, okay? It's a cat. So you don't automatically do that. But I was like, oh, do I want to? And I realized... I don't love my cat that much, but I love my wife. And luckily, as soon as I walked towards the cat, the raccoon, or the raccoon, it took off. But I realized I'm not really like David. If, they, if a bear or a lion's got the sheep, well, the sheep's gone. Let's have a funeral. It's gone. So, um, but I think the series and hearing these stories inspire us to be better. And last week, talking about David and Goliath, that really is probably the most popular story uh, when you think about David. And this weekend, we're going to talk about really the second most popular story, and it's the story of David and Bathsheba. Now, the story of David and Goliath, it is a story of victory and triumph and inspiration. The story of David and Bathsheba really is a story of a mistake that he made and a series of mistakes that he made. And the reason why we're going to look at it this weekend is so that we can look into the mistakes he made, and hopefully for us, we will be able to look at our lives and internalize what happens and stay away from some of the mistakes in our lives. And the goal this weekend is not that we're gonna um, just jump in and think through just specifically with adultery or just specifically with murder, which are really the things he deals with, but hopefully we can apply it to any sin, any mistake, any issue in our life so that we can stay away from those things. 
So David, as we left off last week, he had just killed Goliath. Now, when he killed Goliath, the king, King Saul, actually took David under his wing, brought him into the palace, kind of made him the right-hand guy. Really, he was the general in the army. He would lead some of Israel army or Israel's army. And it was interesting because over time, you would think Saul would be proud, Saul would be excited, but Saul was insecure. And Saul decided instead of lifting David up, he was going to cast David out. And not only did he cast David out, but he decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not just going to kick him out of the palace. I'm going to hunt him down and I'm going to kill him. And for quite a long time, Saul would try to find David and hunt him down. And David was homeless, living in a cave. And then one day, Saul goes into battle and he goes into a battle with a different nation. And in this battle, Saul dies. And as soon as Saul dies, the nation of Israel raises up and they actually make David the king. And he steps in to be a king and he wasn't just any king. David was a successful king. It seemed like everything he did worked, every battle he fought worked, everything that he went after, it just worked. Which brings us to our story. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war and David was a king, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men in the whole Israelite army, and they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. So David stays home, he sends the army out, and it says, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, when you read the story, it says that the author's almost getting at something here, because it says, when kings go off to war, which means David should have been where? At war. He shouldn't have been home. But David remained in Jerusalem. And when you read the story, you have to ask the question, why? Why, when kings go off to war, why did David stay home? Well, I think the reason why David didn't go off to war when it was time to go off to war is because David lost his passion. He lost his passion. He lost his passion for what God had called him to do. The reason why I think this is true is because, you know, for me, I try to put myself in David's shoes. Like, think about David and his first battle that he ever fought. Think, think about his story in general. I mean, David is a homeless guy living in caves, hiding from the king, and then six months later, suddenly, he's the leader of the nation of Israel, and he's leading an army. I mean, imagine what he felt like. He's leading the first battle ever, and he looks to his left, and there are thousands of soldiers. And he looks to his right, and there are thousands of soldiers. And they're looking at him going, David, King David, what do we do? And then he won the battle. Imagine what he must have felt. Like, think about what he must have felt. They actually won the battle, and everyone's like, what a great, this is our king. Imagine the passion. And I would guess if you were to talk to David at that moment and say, David, tell us about the battle, he would say, I will never miss a battle. Like, the passion that he felt in that moment, he would have never missed it. But now he's, not, not, now he's not going to this battle. And my guess is, you don't actually have to guess what he felt, that passion, because for a lot of us, we've also felt that passion. Like, do you remember when you realized that he was the one? Like, he was the one you wanted to marry? Like, do you remember that passion you felt? You remember when you sat down with her dad to ask if, for permission to ask her for a hand in marriage? You remember when he asked you questions and the way you answered, you answered with such passion, determination, like you didn't just give him an answer, like you felt it on such a deep level. You remember when you stood at the altar and you stood there and you looked at your spouse and you said your vows, but you didn't just say your vows, like you, like you felt your vows. They came out of you, they came from within you. You remember when you, heard, when you held your child for the first time? 
Like I remember when I held my kids for the first time. Both of my kids were C-section, which means I held them in a room by myself without my wife for the first time. And I remember they gave me Karsten, our oldest, for the first time. And I'm standing there and then the nurse leaves. I'm like, don't leave, what are you doing? But I remember thinking with both kids, I was looking at both of my kids and I thought to myself, I am gonna dad you better than any dad has ever dadded before. Like I'm gonna, like you remember that passion you felt? You ever started a business? Remember the passion? We're, we're gonna do things different or you started in your career and you realize I'm gonna do things different. This is gonna be different. The way they used to do it, it's not working. The way they, you know, they just, it's all about money and they cheat people out of money. We're not doing that. Like we're doing it different. Remember when you, you started following Jesus? Remember the prayers you would pray? How God, no matter what you want me to do, if you want me to move to another country, you want me to, like, whatever you want me to do, I'll sell it all. God, I'm gonna follow you. Remember the passion? Maybe he called you to do a ministry. I think that same passion that we felt, that's what David felt. But over time, David lost it. And over time, that passion went away. And, and I would guess this weekend that for some of us, that passion for us has gone away. That we felt that passion at one point. If we were to be honest, though, that passion has gone away and it's no longer with us. But the first step to getting off track, the first step to making a mistake, the first step to blowing up our lives is to lose the passion and to stop pursuing what God has for us. We lose that passion. Now, the interesting thing for us, and it's true about David's story, is that we think that we will lose passion when things go bad. In fact, there's a lot of studies that have been done that say when things go bad, your faith gets stronger, even marriages can get stronger, like things can actually get better. For David, his passion didn't go down when things were bad. His passion went down when things were good. Everything was good for him. But he decided at that moment, like, I don't need to go off to war. Oswald Chambers, he has a good quote. He says, an unguarded strength is a double weakness. Like the area you think you're good, the area you think you don't need to work on, the area you feel like you're strong, like that's actually an area to pay attention to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, if you think you are, so, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Like what's the area that you feel like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But if you were to be honest, and if we were to sit down one-on-one, have a conversation, if you were to be honest, the passion level's dropped. Or maybe it's gone. There are three areas I want you to think about specifically, and we're gonna put them up on the screen. And it's, it's faith, family, and your career. Faith, family, and career, okay? Which of these three is your passion dropped in? Which of these three are you no longer going after? Which of these three has allowed your passion to drop? The reason I want you to identify that, and I want us to identify that this weekend, is because if we identify where we've lost our passion, then we've identified the environment where our mistakes are most likely to happen. And if you and I want to avoid making mistakes in the future, we have to ask the question, has passion dropped anywhere? Because what happens with David can happen with us. In verse two, it says, one evening David got up from his bed and he walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. Now, David gets up out of bed, which means he should have been where? in bed. Well, he should have been at war, and then he should have been in bed. David, because he lost his passion, continued to be in places he shouldn't have been. And he walks around, and he walks around at a time when people should be in bed, which either you're in bed or you're doing what? Or you're bathing. And my guess is, or my question for, in, for this story is, uh, that, it, that is if David actually knew 
What would be happening? Was this the first time David stood on the roof and looked around? So David gets out of bed and he looks around and David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam. Like he's trying to, like in this, in this story, it's kind of interesting because the power dynamic is so different and the way women were viewed are so different. They're just property. And it's almost like he sends to find out about her and the person who comes back actually tries to humanize her to go, David, don't do this. Don't, whatever you're thinking, don't do it. She is the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah. Like the wife, like, hey, David, you're not just the political leader of Israel, but this is a very spiritual country. You are also a spiritual leader. She is the wife of Uriah. He almost tries to humanize her and keeps him from doing really what he shouldn't have done and using his power to do something he shouldn't have done. And it says, then David sent uh, messengers to get her. She came to him and then he slept with her. David lost his passion and then he traded his passion for pleasure. Listen, and, and, and this may not be adultery, this may not be exactly how it happens every time, but when you lose passion, you start looking around for other things that will ignite your passion. You start looking for something that will actually get that, like, that excitement up, and you start looking around. And this is why a lot of times when you lose your passion, it's the first step towards going in the wrong direction because when you lose your passion, you start moving in a direction and you look for pleasure. Uh, a couple years ago, my, my wife and I, we went, our whole family, we went down to some friend's house down in Fort Myers, and we got there, and our friends had gotten chickens. Now, they got a chicken coop, they got chickens, and we went there, and the lady who had the chickens was, like, so excited about the chickens. She was this, uh, her personality is, like, whenever she says it, like, everybody wants to do what she does, she's like, oh, I got chickens and these fresh eggs, and they're amazing, and they're awesome, and you should try it, and it's going to be amazing. And we left her house, and my wife's like, we have got to get chickens. Like, we got to do it. The fresh eggs, it's going to be amazing. We should do it. Now, we live in South Tampa. In South Tampa, if you're not from the area, there are not big yards in South Tampa. There are very small yards in South Tampa. But my wife was determined she wanted chickens. And when my wife was determined about anything, we're going to get chickens. So we, so on Mother's Day of last year, I got a chicken coop as a gift for her for Mother's Day. Put it together, and she had a little chicken coop in our little yard that we had in South Tampa. And then we went and got four chickens. And we got these four chickens. And at first it was like, chickens and the fresh eggs because we raised them from chicks. But when they started laying eggs, it was like, like it was so worth it. Our kids were excited. She was excited. I was neutral. And the reason why is I told her, you can take care of the chickens. I'm going to take care of the dog because I, here's the reason why. I didn't want a dog. I, I am not a dog person. I don't want a dog. But as soon as we got a dog, his name is Rex. I fell in love with this stupid little dog and I hate how much I love my dog. Anybody else, like, I hate it. Like, I, like I would fight you for my dog. That's just that's what would happen. I just love this stupid little dog and I did not want to be attached to these chickens. So I'm like, you know what? You feed them, you take care of them. I will walk the dog, but you take care of the chickens. That was kind of the deal we made. So we got all these fresh eggs. It was like, it was amazing. All the passion about chickens. But the thing about chickens is, in a small yard, like they walk around and they peck at the yard. Like we were, we didn't have grass anymore. We just had dirt. And then they poop everywhere. We just had poopy mud in our backyard. We couldn't even let our dog out in our backyard because you know what there was? All poopy mud. Like we couldn't let him out there at all. Like it just didn't work. 
And then also chickens, what we found out, we didn't know this, is that chickens essentially, they will wake up whenever you wake up. So when a light comes onto the house, they get used to waking up at a certain time. Well, we, get, we wake up pretty early, between 4.30 and 5 in the morning, which means chickens wake up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning, and they start making noise because they want you to let them out of their chicken coop. The problem is when you want to sleep in and the stupid chickens are waking up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning and you have neighbors right next door with little kids and you realize if we don't wake up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning, these stupid little chickens are going to wake up the neighbors the neighbors are going to get mad at us. Suddenly, it's just like it's a disaster. But we're enduring it. She's waking up. She's letting the chickens out like we're doing it. And then one day she calls me and she starts the conversation off and I love this. Don't be mad at me. That's the way she started it. She said... I think I'm done with the chickens. I think I'm done with the chickens. The passion wore out for the chickens. The passion wore out, and we end up selling the coop. We sold the chickens. We didn't, like, kill them, don't worry, but we sold them. But we realized the passion ran out for those chickens, and we settled for pleasure. Now, that's kind of a funny story, right? That's a, that's a, a fun story talking about passion, and that's okay. But when passion actually runs out in our lives, we start searching for something else, and, and here's what we think. We kind of have this belief, and I don't know if it's a society thing or just a human thing, that if we run out of passion, then passion's gone. Like, we don't control it. We think that as soon as the passion for something runs out, like, it's over. Like, I hear people tell me all the time, we fell out of love. Talking about marriage, we just fell out of love. What they're saying is we've lost all the passion and it's gone, and there's nothing we can do about it. But passion is not something that just comes to you. Passion is actually something that can, that, that can be pursued. In fact, passion can be revived when you pursue it. And I wrote this down. It says, pursuit reignites passion. If there's an area for you that you feel like your passion's gone down, it doesn't mean that your passion's gone forever. It may mean that at this point, you need to actually decide that you're going to pursue again. If you feel like the passion in your marriage is going down, then most likely instead of walking away from the marriage, that I believe this weekend you're here because God would say to you, it's time to begin to pursue again. If your passion for God has gone down and now you're just attending church and just here and going through the motions, but honestly, it doesn't feel real. You're not sure about it. You're questioning a lot. I would say that instead of walking away and planning more weekends away and going to the beach more and going on the boat more, instead of doing all of that, then maybe instead of walking away, it's time to push in. And I believe this weekend, this is a call for us who have lost our passion that instead of just saying, well, if I feel it, I feel it. No, 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 we are gonna be, we are going to be Christ followers who decide that we are gonna pursue what God has for us and allow us to be passionate people. That God calls us to be passionate. We go after him with passion. We parent our kids with passion. We live for Christ with passion. We love others with passion. And we are gonna be people that when our coworkers look at us and the way we love and the way we're generous and the way that we give and our integrity, that they will look at us and go, wow, there's something different. There's a love that they feel. There's an excitement they feel. There's a passion they feel for what they do. And what if we as Christ followers, we can live with passion? How different would that look in our lives? How different would our kids be? How different could your marriage be? How different would your walk with Jesus be? If you decided this weekend that you're going to pursue what you're passionate about, that you're gonna pursue it and go after it. Because for David, he didn't pursue his passion. He settled for pleasure. Now, if you're in a place right now and you would say, Mike, that's, like I feel that way, I feel like, like, I feel like I've been pursuing pleasure. I'm not pursuing the things I'm passionate about. You have two options. 
Number one, if you're walking towards pleasure and walking away towards walking away from the passion that God has for you, you can either do one or two things. One, you can repent. Repent simply means you just turn around, you go back the other way. You actually decide this weekend that you're gonna pursue what God has called you to pursue. You're gonna pursue the exact thing that you need to pursue. So you're gonna turn around and you're gonna run after God and say, God, I'm gonna do it. Or you keep going. You keep walking on the path that you're on and keep moving in the, moving in the direction that you're there. And, and I will say this, and it may not be sin right now. Let me just say this, if your passion's low, it may not be sin. You could be playing video games instead of playing with your kids. You could be watching TV instead of engaging with your spouse. Like you could be doing something else. Like you could be going out with the girls for a girl night instead of going out with your husband on a date night. Like you could be going to the beach instead of going to church. Like it doesn't mean it's sin, nothing wrong with it. But the path that you, as soon as you, if you continue down the path of pleasure, listen, there's only sin there. Okay, it ends up going there. And you end up being disconnected. And that is not the life that you want. And that's not the life you're called to. So either you repent, you turn around, or you turn back towards God. And here's the danger of it. The danger is that if you continue to walk on this path towards pleasure, towards the things away from God, and you get caught up in sin, the danger of it is, is that you get to a place where you don't even see it anymore. You get to a place where you're caught in sin and there's, there is a deceptive power of sin that will take you further than you wanna go. It'll cause you to do things you never think you would do and it will hurt more people than you can realize. And we have to decide we're not gonna keep walking. That we're gonna turn around and we're gonna repent. Now, David, he kept going. David, the man after God's own heart, he didn't realize that he had done the wrong thing and turn around. He kept going. And he, he finds out that actually Bathsheba, the one that he just slept with, she's pregnant. And so he has an idea and he calls Uriah her husband who's actually gone. The reason why he's gone is because he's in David's army and he's off in battle. He calls Uriah back, says, Uriah, come back. I need you for something. Kind of makes up a reason for him to be back. And then he says, Uriah, go home, be with your wife, sleep with your wife. And the whole idea was if you sleep with your wife, even though she's pregnant right now, you can't tell, no one can really tell she's pregnant, but if you sleep with her, then it will seem like it's your kid, all will be good. And Uriah, the soldier, again, this, this is the guy you want on your team. Uriah says, you know what? If my fellow soldiers cannot sleep with their wives, I I'm not gonna sleep with my wife. And he, instead of going home and being with his wife after being months away, he goes and he sleeps at the gate of the palace. Like this is a great, if you've never read the story, it's a great story. So Uriah won't even go home. He goes and he sleeps at the gate of the palace. And he says, I'm not going home. So David realizing that he's not gonna be able to get away with this, he instead sends Uriah to back to the battle and he sends him with a note and the note is to Joab, the commander of the army, and he says, hey, put Uriah at the front and let him die. And David sends him off to death because the path away from God leads to sin and the deceptive power of sin will lead you where you don't wanna go. And then one day, and this is why you gotta read the story. And then one day a man named Nathan comes to David and Nathan is a prophet during that time and he's been there with David a while. So he knocks on David's door and David thinks this is completely unrelated and he says, and he basically gives him a scenario saying, hey, as a king, I need you to help me figure something out. And the Lord sent Nathan to David in 2 Samuel chapter 12. He says, when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. 
The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. Like, and David as a shepherd gets this. Like, he understands that bond you have with sheep. And if you, like I said, I, I get this because of my dog, but this whole idea, this sheep was kind of like their, like it was their pet. And he tells him the story. And it was like a daughter to him. Like, he's telling the king all this. Now, a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. In other words, the rich man took the one sheep the poor man had that was like, like it was a daughter to him, killed that sheep, and now they're eating that sheep. <laughs> David burned with anger. Like David is not happy about this against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. You are that man. What you just did with Bathsheba, what you just did to Uriah, what you just did as a trusted leader of Israel that we have trusted you to take care of us and protect us and be there for us, you are that man. And his pleasure led to pain. David's pleasure led to pain. The end of the path away from our passion always leads to pain. Always leads to pain. And I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what path you're on, but if you're not passionate and you're walking in another direction and you're looking for something else or you're looking for other things or you're not engaged, you're heading towards pain. You may not be there yet and it may not be sharp and it may not be strong, but you're on the path towards pain. The pain from the consequences of sin is always greater than the pleasure of sin. Always. And, and, and if you pursue pleasure, you will be satisfied in the short run, but in the long run, there'll be pain. If you decide this weekend that you're gonna stop going after pleasure and you're gonna turn around and repent, you're gonna go after what God has for you and you're gonna passionately seek what he has, there may be pain in the short run. Listen, if your marriage is jacked up right now and both of you are not passionate or you're not passionate, for you to decide this weekend, hey, like we're gonna do it. Like the passion we felt when we were dating, we're getting it back. Like we're gonna figure this out. Like, listen, the, the first part, then the short run, there's pain. If you decide to engage with your kids again and you haven't engaged for a while, the short run, there's pain. If you're gonna get back into your faith and rearrange your schedule and now I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna read the Bible and I'm gonna figure it out and I'm gonna get back in church, listen, there's pain in the short run. But there is satisfaction in the long run. And we have to order our decisions to decide that I am going to endure pain in the short run because I know that in the long run, there's satisfaction. But our pleasure, if you pursue pleasure instead of passion, it will lead towards pain. So Nathan tells him the story and it wakes David up. And I hope this weekend, I hope you're woken up. I hope we're a church that's woken up. I hope we're a church that decides we need to be passionate. I hope we're a church that, like there's something inside of you right now. And I, man, this has been my prayer all week. That there is something inside of you going, okay, this is my weekend. This is my day. This is my time. This is when it needs to happen. 
I hope this weekend that's, that's in you right now. Because I believe as the church, if we can become a passionate church, I believe God's gonna use us. And for David, there was this thing that woke up and he realized, hey, I am on the wrong path. And so David turned from his path that he was on and decided that he was going to repent. He turns back to God. And in Psalm 51, it captures his prayer. And in Psalm 51, he says, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. In other words, saying, God, I have messed up. I have sinned. I have completely gone the wrong way. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take me or take your Holy Spirit from me. Then he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Restore the joy of your salvation. God, give me your passion. And God restored his passion. And the story of David is not a tragedy. It has tragic moments, but it is not a tragedy. And the reason why David's story is not a tragedy is because he woke up in the middle of his story And he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Where have you lost passion? Where have you lost it? I believe this weekend God wants to restore the joy of your salvation, wants to restore your passion. And come on, when you walked in on your seats, you probably didn't know what they were for, but you got these little cards. I want you to pull these out, little pieces of paper. Everybody pull them out. And there are pens in the seats on all of our campuses uh, in, in the backs of the seats. I want you to grab a pen because we're doing something with this this weekend. I want you to write down, and this is between you and Jesus. I'm not, I'm not even gonna look at these. This is between you and Jesus. I want you to write down what's the area that you need God to restore your passion? What's the area? It may not be completely out, but what's the area for you? And then if you write, I want you to write on the card right now, all of our campuses, I want you to do this. So write it down. And even if you write it down, even if you want to fold the cards and no one can see it, that's fine. All right, here's what, and here's what we're going to do with these cards. This weekend at all of our campuses, if you look around right now, you'll see that there are crosses on all of our campuses. There are some up front, uh, and most of our campuses, some are behind, but they're all over. But we're going to take these cards, and we're going to actually put them at the foot of the cross. We're not going to take them home with us. We're gonna put them under the foot of the cross because we need God to restore the joy of our salvation. We need him to restore our passion. And this can't just be done by us alone. We've been trying to do it on our own. We need to invite him in. And today we're gonna invite him in to restore the passion in our lives. That God, we are asking for you this weekend that he is going to restore the passion for our marriages, restore the passion for our family, restore the passion for his calling that he has made us for, that he's called us to, to restore our passion for him, that we would not just be apathetic Christians, that we would actually go after him, that we wouldn't be consumed with electronics and Instagram and TikTok and video games but we would be consumed with letting our friends and our family know who he is and the love that he shares, that we would actually decide that we are people on a mission to do what God has called us to do, that we are gonna live on mission because you were created on purpose for a purpose and we're gonna go out this weekend and we're going to live our life on purpose and for a purpose knowing that God has created us to be passionate followers of him. Passionate followers. Passionate husbands, passionate wives, passionate parents. You're on a mission. 
If you're apathetic, that's not the way to live. That's not how God is calling us to live. He wants us to live our life with passion. And so come on, everybody, all the campus, I want you to stand up. I want you to take this card. We're going to lift it up in the air. Come on, everybody, let's stand up. Take this card in the air. We're going to, I'm going to pray over this card, and then after I pray over this card, we're going, to, we're going to take it to the crosses, head back to our seats. We're going to go to the crosses, and we're going to play some worship right now. Come on, hold it up, because we're going to pray for this Jesus right now. We want to be passionate followers of you. We want to be passionate people. We want to be passionate husbands. We want to be passionate wives. God, we want to be passionate parents. We want to be passionate kids. God, you have called us to a job that we're in right now. God, you have called us to be passionate in our job. You have called us to walk in that, not just to do a job, but to work in a way that reflects you. God, with integrity and Jesus right now, we ask that you would restore our passion, that you would restore our passion, God. God, we want to be passionate for you. For some of us, God, we don't even know what that looks like, but Jesus, right now, we hold this up going, God, we want to know what that looks like. We take a step towards you. Across all of our campuses, we hold this up in faith, and we're going to put it at the cross in faith, Jesus, believing that you are going to show up and you are going to create a passion in us. We ask that you do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, all of our campuses, let's move to the crosses. Let's put these at the foot of the cross. Come on, let's do it right now. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.